the normal pantry you have in a restaurant uh, is large. You know, you can have an inventory of, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars just in. Oh wow! And a lot of those things are just different kinds of oils, mm-hmm. vinegars. You know, mm-hmm. you will always have, you know, ten plus different kinds of vinegar mm-hmm. to you know choose from whenever you're cooking. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Eric Weir, and welcome to another episode of Stuttering Your Way to Success. My guest today is Chef Julius Kaiser. He is a chef at the Cliffs Communities. They have multiple locations, and I wanted to have him on today. I eat, eat at the Cliffs uh, with some frequency. As you can see, we have some food in front of us, and we're going to talk about food today, how food impacts us, culture, taste, the fantastic topic of food and some of the trends today, like farm to table. So, 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 so tell me what got you into your interest in food and why are you a chef today? Well, uh, it all started, uh, when I was a child, I grew up on a farm and, uh, I found that the easy way to get out of the hot summer heat and picking the beans mm-hmm. was to actually hang on to my grandmother's apron at lunchtime. Hmm. So from there, I learned a lot from her. So I started learning just her recipes, her cooking, and kind of gained a passion mm-hmm. for cooking there. Um, that also, however, growing up a farm, mm-hmm. is leading me to uh, the agriculture part of things and, and the, uh, the growing of the food and what can be local and sustainable. Wow. So, so the craze seems to be farm to table. I go to restaurants, and sometimes it seems horribly expensive to support the local guys. Yes. Like, but the food's yeah. better. I mean, t- t- tell me what's up with farm to table. Is it healthier? Is it does it taste better? I mean, t- t- tell me about that. Well, typically, a lot of the farm to table, you're going to have you know one fresher ingredients rather than it mm-hmm. coming from you know one truck to moving to another truck mm-hmm. to what location you never even know where is grown. Mm-hmm. Grown. Um, to something that is right down the road that is typically going to be more organic mm-hmm. um, and fresh. Then also you get to know the people that are growing it. And uh, also the food that comes from the local area and cooked in those local preparations, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the tradition of cooking, uh, tends to taste better, in my right. opinion. You know, right. it's a, so like a, your heirloom grains from Charleston mm-hmm. um, cooked in the methods that they were originally cooked. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found to be, you know, the purest and actually taste the best. Okay, fantastic. So, when you're preparing a meal, you hear you talk of people like they, they feel the food, they enjoy it, they they, they just look, look they, they look for. Are you like that? And then and then is, is that how is that what draws you to, to cooking and preparing food? And yes. are there are there dishes that you make that that are invigorating to you? Or, well, I mean, I'm definitely in this for the people. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's uh, it's making people happy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can actually take, you know, this ingredient that you know was grown by a friend of mine, mm-hmm. um, and he put his passion and his heart into it, and then mm-hmm. I can take that ingredient and put my skills and um, and my passion into it, mm-hmm. then create a meal for you, mm-hmm. and then at that point, you know, for for you to enjoy that meal mm-hmm. and to get to know you and to get to know. Uh, what taste you like is mm. what's important to me. Hmm. Is there a type of food that you enjoy pre- preparing more than another? No, um, I really enjoy it all. I guess uh, my biggest passion is learning about them all. Mm-hmm. So uh, just diving into different cuisines, uh, learning about the origin, learning about their ingredients and, you know, and, and how they're used. 
I mean, if you think about it, uh, across the world, we mostly have a lot of the same ingredients. Mm -hmm. The difference is how they're prepared. Right, right. Do you ever go to, sometimes I go to a restaurant and you're, you realize you have the, 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 the steak or the vegetable, but it's amazing how different the food can taste just with the spice. So mm -hmm. what would you estimate the cost of the food is like, seems like it's 80 or 90, maybe 95%, but it's the seasoning that's the least expensive, but it makes the, the, the most massive difference. Mm -hmm. So is there an art to that? I mean, where did you learn how to do that? Uh, well, one, you learn from, of course, your mentors. And uh, growing up, uh, you know, throughout the industry, uh, I worked for some great chefs who taught me, you know, cool techniques. But really what it comes down to is uh, you have to train yourself. Mm -hmm. So uh, people can teach you things, but they can't teach you taste. Uh, so that's the big part of it is, you know, tasting things, mm -hmm. um, as well as uh, going out and experiencing mm -hmm. different cuisines, uh, going to different restaurants, um, tasting the different foods and actually think about what you're tasting and then and why it's tasting better than say the restaurant down the street right and uh once you figure that out you can impro improvise and kind of make it your own hmm. what's the difference between a, a, a you know a restaurant i'm going i guess i'm, I'm going to london on friday and, you know, in, in many places in the country that they don't have a Michelin star restaurant, it requires mm -hmm. population, it requires certain, certain, you know, certain things to qualify. But what goes into to being a, a, a Michelin restaurant and, and why is it so expensive to, to eat at a place like that? Well, I guess uh, really the biggest thing is uh, having the staff, but then also... Uh, all the equipment and things that you need. So at a Michelin star restaurant, you are going to be dealing with uh, a little bit more, we're going to say manipulation mm -hmm. of uh, the cuisine. So uh, where you might take a, a kernel of corn, um, instead of it being cooked, it's fro freeze dried. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, that takes a different type of equipment plus a different skill level. And one of the big things is really staff. Mm -hmm. um, it takes a lot to put all that together. Now, most of these Michelin star places, of course, prize themselves on the local ingredients. A lot of them are even forgers themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, a, that's also part of it is having the quality. And then you're really paying for the expertise hmm. and the experience uh, as well as the service. You know, at a Michelin star restaurant, you're going to have top-notch service. Mm -hmm. You know, you aren't going to exactly get that everywhere else. Mm -hmm. So you're getting the, the best of the best. Right. So uh, really the price... I would say mostly is for the staff and the people to actually execute on that level. I understand, yeah. I, I, I was reading something where it said that there are a number of Michelin star, star restaurants that actually operate at a loss, and they'll, yes. they'll, they'll, they'll make their money back on, on a big occasion or a wedding event or something along those lines, and I was mm -hmm. surprised to learn that. But it makes sense after you, after you explain that. Um, so, so how important is food to to the the, the the cliffs or the club. I mean, why are you there? Why do they have chefs? And and what does that do to membership and growth mm -hmm. and community? Well, uh, we definitely have some well-traveled people, mm -hmm. um, and we get to cook different cuisines. That's mm -hmm. uh, one thing that I really like. Uh, as I said, you know, I'm real interested in different ones. The thing that I like the most about being at a private club is uh, getting to know the members. Mm -hmm. Um, so you get to know 
that this person has a certain food allergy and you see their reservation and you can cater to them ahead of time. Hmm. So, you know, if you have a dairy allergy, you have a different dessert, you know, planned for them. So it's not the usual. Um, but just it's a lot of the relationships, mm -hmm. getting to know the people, um, what they like. And I, they really become friends of yours. Mm -hmm. Now, in a, in a, say, a standalone restaurant, you see different people every single day. You aren't able to really make those relationships and friendships. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I really like about the club atmosphere. Um, but then these people love to eat. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, a lot of our clubs at the Cliffs are, we're out, you mm -hmm. know, not so close to the city. Right, so uh, right, right. being able to provide them with uh, the great amenity of wonderful food and drink and higher class food and drink, you know, the um, just as good, if not better, than you can find at your top downtown mm -hmm. restaurants is is an amenity, you know. Uh, and like you said, you know, operating at a loss. Uh, in a club atmosphere, you do operate at a loss in food and beverage. That's oh, what they're, yeah, it, we're an amenity. Right, right. You know, uh, the, actually the money comes from the dues. Right. You know, right. and, you know, things of sales of land. So uh, um, being that amenity, you know, is, uh, is actually quite humbling. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's really kind of pleasurable just to be in that atmosphere and be able to cook different things every single day. Most restaurants, you know, you're going to cook the same menu every single day mm -hmm. and you're going to have, a, you know, maybe a feature or two. Mm -hmm. um, I write my menu the day of. Oh, wow. So, okay. uh, you know, I'll stop by, you know, the farm or two mm -hmm. farms or three farms on right. my way into work. Interesting. I'll okay. uh, grab what they have and then start with a clipboard. You're taking this whole farm-to-table thing very seriously then. You're like, it's, you're buying yeah. it today, right? Yeah. Wow. I mean, you know, I don't even really think about it as farm-to-table as I do just a normal day. And, you know, oh, that's what we do. You know, okay. So wow. My way of doing things. Okay. So, so, so what is this? I mean, we're talking farm to table. I, yes. I must say that I, I go to some grocery stores and uh, nothing really quite looks like this. This looks like really fresh. It looks so, so, so what, 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 what is this? All right. Well, uh, we'll start off with, uh, the interesting corn that you think might be a decoration from Thanksgiving. Uh, so this is butcher's blood corn, uh, is actually an Italian seed that, uh, my farmer grew for the first time. This has never been grown in this area as far as we know. Who knows if it's even been grown in the States. But then also in these little dishes, he actually uh, milled the corn. And so we now have this wow. red cornmeal. Uh, actually, your back one. We'll talk about that one in a second. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So you have a, so this is milled into the cornmeal oh, and the grits. Yeah. Okay. Um, so actually, uh, just got a hold of these here uh, recently because it has to go through a curing process. Mm -hmm. These are the best grits that I've ever had. So... As soon as I, you know, he's like, hey, I got these. I bought 10 pounds. I cooked oh, wow. them. Okay. Um, by the time I got that pot of grits done, I called him up and asked how much he had. He really? Like, I got, well, you're you know, in South Carolina. Grits are serious here. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a, yeah. That's so, a big uh, claim. I immediately said, <laughs> I want 100 pounds. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, um, so that's a... Grits are on the menu at the cliffs. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and that's a, but that's something that is going to different be make us different correct um as well as be just even a better quality ingredient uh now actually in the front okay. right there uh is a blueberry powder oh okay so uh we have a local blueberry farm sure. organic blueberry okay. farm uh they do a great job yeah. however it's not blueberry season right oh wow Look at that. so uh a lot of what we do in things especially dealing with uh these local farmers is preservation okay 
so this blueberry powder, you know, was blueberries that were dehydrated, ground into a powder that you can use in smoothies or garnishes on a cake mm-hmm. and have those uh, nutrients and benefits of the blueberry okay. year round. Um, other than that, let's see. Uh, of course, we have some uh, lacinato kale. Uh, most people think of kale as, uh, you know, bitter and things and right. not so good raw. Uh, this is excellent in a salad. Okay. Um, so lacinato kale, also called dinosaur kale or mm-hmm. uh, black kale. Okay. Uh, you can find it at some supermarkets around. Right. That's my favorite thing to make a Caesar salad out of. Oh, no way. Okay. Yeah. So uh, um, the texture is nice and crisp. There's no bitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, very delicate green. And of course, some beautiful lettuce. Uh, right here we have uh, some kohlrabi. Um, wow. One of my favorite vegetables, especially this time of year. So right now we don't have a lot to, uh, to choose from. And uh, this is something that is growing this time of year that is an okay. excellent vegetable. Fantastic. We have uh, shiitake mushrooms. Very nice. Yeah, okay. so, uh, yeah these were just uh, picked yesterday. As well as uh, these are king oyster mushrooms that oh, are uh, being grown at a, at a farm here. Massive. But then it's, you know, it's not just uh, about vegetables. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about our proteins and our different... Uh, meats and things as well. Like, uh, see, like, check out these eggs. Wow. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. They're all different, different colors, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. um, so this comes from a wonderful farm where I actually uh, uh, buy chickens from. Okay. Um, I buy ducks from there. Oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, yeah, they, uh, they harvest and uh, sell live ducks, uh, chickens. Um, and then I get the duck eggs as well. Uh, okay. Most people aren't quite as familiar with What's duck eggs. What's the difference between a duck egg and a chicken egg? Oh, they're just, uh, well, one, they're larger for me as a chef. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, they have a little bit more value. You know, okay. when, you, when you're using 20 eggs at once mm-hmm. and you can use 12 duck eggs instead of 20 chicken eggs. So the duck eggs are larger then? Okay. Duck eggs are much larger. Oh, okay. Yes, okay. Uh, most of the time about twice the size. Okay. Uh, wow. they're, uh, they're higher in fat content and much richer. Okay. So... Used in cooking for things like a hollandaise. Okay. So uh, the color of your hollandaise is going to be such a brighter color due to the color of the yolks being okay. richer. All right. Um, as well as just the flavor uh, being better. Same as uh, ice cream. Okay. Um, and a lot of your baking, duck eggs are the best. Pasta, when you're making pasta. Really? How about that? Okay. How about an ostrich egg? Now, I don't know exactly about that. Um, I have never had an ostrich egg. I would like to have an ostrich egg. And that would be something be nice to experiment with. You know where to get one? I, I was flying through a, a, a state, and it was a rainstorm. We l- landed, and there was a gentleman that had a small airport, and he had an ostrich uh, farm. Awesome. And he had a little diner, and they served ostrich omelets. And they are massive. They're not playing around with, with an ostrich omelet. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it was fantastic. It was, it was good. I didn't really know what to expect, but it was good. It was, it was fantastic. Cool. So, 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 I love, so, so, so duck eggs are twice as big. They're, they're, they have a d- different taste. Interesting, interesting. So, so what could you make with, 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 with what's on here? I mean, what, what, what could you produce? Um, I would, uh, which is, of course, we got, like, mostly vegetables. Um, one, I'm going to start cooking the grits. Uh, they take the longest to cook. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to uh, do grits uh, with mushrooms mm-hmm. and then a fried egg on top. Okay. Um, the rest, uh, I'm going to take the kohlrabi, which would be, you know, shaved thin. 
um, and use that as an ingredient on the salad mm-hmm. uh, with the greens and the in the kale. Um, and then, of course, uh, I always have another few ingredients hiding that okay. uh, we'll use in y- your normal pantry. Uh, actually, like the normal pantry you have in a restaurant uh, is large. You know, you can have an inventory of, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars just in. Oh wow! And a lot of those things are just different kinds of oils, mm-hmm. vinegars. You know, mm-hmm. you will always have, you know, ten plus different kinds of vinegar mm-hmm. to you know choose from whenever you're cooking. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so how would you use the the dried blueberries? The the you know what, what, what would you do to that? I think they're antioxidant. I think is that right? Antioxidants. Yeah, yes. Thank uh, you. Um, they have so many uh, benefits uh, nutritionally. Uh, what I w- one thing I like to do with it is, let's say uh, we're making um, a cake mm-hmm. and we want to do a blueberry icing, you know. Taking and using that as a dust to kind of finish it, or even just as a garnish on the plate. Uh, but then also, say, taking it, and uh, we're going back to the duck eggs, mm-hmm. and we're going to make a traditional zabion. Right. You know? And you can take that blueberry powder, then add that in there, and you right. have blueberry zabion. Okay. I've, I've, I've been a member of a, a number of clubs over the years, and I must tell you, we, we go for the, 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 the Mother's Day brunch. It's always spectacular and fantastic. What's up with Father's Day? You get there, it's like nachos and yeah. wings. I mean, it's like such a letdown. I mean, Mother's Day is like it's got it all going on. Well, I'll tell you, uh, <laughs> I mean, Mother's Day, as as soon as we open reservations, we're going to be booked. Yeah. You know? um, now, Father's Day, I think, you know, a lot of it is most of the fathers end up get stuck grilling at home. Oh, is that right? <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, well, one, not that, you know, I mean, I... Tr- Love grilling at home, um, but I found uh, sometimes doing things like uh, nice steak packages. Right. You know, right. a couple of baked potatoes with all the ingredients mm-hmm. and uh, some nice prime thick cut ribeyes right. as a grilling package uh, tends to do better than actually the reservations in the dining room. Interesting. Well, I'm, <laughs> now, if I were, no, I'm with I you. Like, yeah, I'd love to be taken out yeah. to dinner. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, so, so a long time ago, a very creative artist and man of many talents, Michelangelo, said there are, there are four major things that a city needs to grow. One is water, like a river or a body of water, a lake, something like that. Uh, number two is music. We'd love to have music, live, live music. Number three was art. And the fourth was food. So how do you see food as an interplay between art and urban planning and growth that a city like, like, like Greenville has had? Well, I mean, one, like food brings us together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not very often, and it's, it's kind of a shame if you ever have to eat alone. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's something you're having to do whenever you're busy and mm-hmm. needing food. Um, whereas food should be more of a gathering, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and that's a... That's one thing that makes it, I think, beautiful in different cultures and learning the different cultures. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in Greenville, the food scene is growing mm-hmm. uh, very fast and, uh, and a lot of cool places uh, popping up. Um, the play and the culture, man, uh, food is the culture, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and just bringing people together. It, that's, a, that's something that you need to live, but mm-hmm. also, you know, having the music. Mm-hmm. with the food uh, is mm-hmm. just creates an environment. And right. I mean, that's what we're looking for is, you know, a good time and experience and uh, sitting down and enjoying a meal, mm-hmm. you know, rather than a lot of times 
having to eat on the run, it's a di- different thing, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, just in the company and fellowship of other people. Yeah. Well, I, I know when I, if I visit a restaurant or, or a club or something like that, and you're, you can really, the, the, the quality of the food has a direct impact on the length of, of, the, of, of the time you have to communicate with one another. Yes. Each other and, and talk. And you, if the food is not that good, the, the meetings are quick. Yes. <laughs> you know? yeah. The service is good. The food is good. They last longer. So that's, that's so well, true. that's a, you know, if you slow down and you're enjoying the food and like, hey, man, this is good. I'm ordering another course. You're going to be there longer. No doubt about <laughs> it. No doubt about that. So if, if someone's listening today and they're thinking, man, I would love to be involved. I'd love to learn how to be a chef or, or learn to just, just for myself, learn how to, to, to cook better. Are there steps or things you can do or books to read or classes? What, would, what, what suggestions would you give somebody? Well, uh, you definitely have, you know, T- television, you know, your shows on TV, um, but just even getting into YouTube, you know, finding uh, mm-hmm. yes, finding what you're wanting to cook and doing research about it. Um, then also books are so readily available online. Now, I mean, of course, one of my favorite things is books. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, us as chefs, do we really go into a book and use that recipe as it's written down? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Uh, we take that, we find something, we use it as an idea. Okay. Um, so kind of the basic thing is if you really want to learn how to be a good cook, um, you need to start with the basics, you know, Mm -hmm. the basic techniques of cooking, Mm -hmm. um, as well as, you know, the knowledge of ingredients. So, uh, you can't, uh, cook a good piece of kohlrabi without, uh, knowing how to cook it. Mm -hmm. Um, how would you cook that? I wouldn't know. If I okay, saw that, yeah. it looks intimidating. Fa- lo- I wouldn't know vegetable. what to do with that. Okay, so uh, you peel it. Um, you can eat it raw. I do like it raw. Um, it's almost kind of like a radish uh, mm. without not quite as much bite. It has a wonderful texture. Uh, but my favorite way is just to like light salt and pepper, mm-hmm. a little bit of olive oil, and roast it. Uh, and, you know, roasting is one of uh, my favorite ways to do vegetables rather than... Uh, than say a blanching or uh, or steaming, you know, at that point in time, you're actually losing the nutrients. Uh, whereas in like roasting, you're kind of concentrating uh, those. Uh, pretty much cooking is a dehydration process. So do you want to lose it in a, in a pot of water or do you actually want to just evaporate the water and concentrate your nutrients? So you tend to have a better flavor with, you know, more of a method of roasting than, a, than say a blanching. You know, some people who listen to our show, maybe they, they have some wild game meat of, of some sort. Uh, is there a different way to, to prepare uh, either a wild game than you would meat you purchase from a grocery store that's more like a, a cow or something? Well, uh, no, there there is a flavor difference. Of course, we, you know, just as, a, just as a pig is going to taste different than a chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, so each, uh, each animal is very unique. Now, uh, for some people that aren't, don't like the say gamey flavor mm-hmm. as much. Uh, there are ingredients that you can pair it with mm-hmm. that uh, that help with that. Say uh, you know parsnip. Actually, a lot of root vegetables are very good to tame like that extra game flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, now me, uh, I, I love that you know, mm-hmm. but it, it can be you know rather rich, uh, and that's a that's one way you can actually use other ingredients. Um, and kind of tame that and mm-hmm. make it a little bit more palatable for someone who isn't as much of a game fan. 
If someone's a vegetarian and they listen to the show, so the thought of meat's terrible, but I'm a vegetarian, let's say. If they were, uh, how do they get the protein that, that they need to have and the, the, the balanced diet that, that they need to as a vegetarian? Also the taste. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes some of the vegetables have more flavor than others. So, so how do you pre- prepare meals for, for vegetarians? Well, uh, you also get a lot of uh, nutrients from mm-hmm. you know, your legumes, sure. um, nuts. And uh, honestly... Uh, I've always told people the only way that I could be a vegetarian is the mushroom. Okay. Uh, so the mushroom and how much flavor it has uh, can actually really enrich in a dish. Uh, so you can get a lot of flavor from that. You know, if it, if you chose to be a vegetarian, mm-hmm. um, you obviously love the vegetables. Right. And so the best way to uh, cook for a vegetarian is a... Uh, Give them what they like, just prepare it in the best method. Mm-hmm. Um, so a, a variety of vegetables, mm-hmm. um, as well as, you know, your different grains, but uh, other spices and, and enriching flavors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, so sometimes as a business person, I'll talk to other people who say they'd like to own a restaurant, but they have no restaurant experience. They're not a chef. They have no experience. Is that a bad idea for them usually, or, or how will they find a chef to – to, to work there or recruit or, or you know, if you're a mm-hmm. chef looking for a job, would that appeal to somebody? Well, uh, I don't think it's a bad idea to get into the industry. Uh, what you need to do, though, is uh, hire people that you trust mm-hmm. and then trust them to do their job. Uh, if you put too much of your hand into it mm-hmm. and not allowing the professionals to be the professionals, mm-hmm. that's where a lot of uh, restaurant owners tend to fail. Um, then also, uh, you have your downfalls, say, being a chef and opening a restaurant because you are going to be 100% into what you're cooking right? and, and what you want to cook. When right. in all reality, it's not what you want to cook. It's what your clientele wants to eat. Right. It's a, you know where your restaurant is at and what people are looking for in that area. So that's a big thing with uh, if you're wanting to uh, develop a restaurant or open a restaurant – you have to know what the people in that area want, what your clientele is going to be. And then you hire people that can actually properly execute at that level. Okay. So you, you work at a private club, the Cliffs. The Cliffs is known for people moving from all, all across the, the U.S. to live there. It's, as you were saying, it's, you have a well-traveled uh, membership. How would what you prepare there be different than if you were to open up a, a restaurant, say, in Greenville or Anderson or, or Charleston? Or would it be different? You know, uh, not as much different because, uh, you know, it is about putting passion into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, me personally, though, if I were to open a place, uh, it would probably be sandwiches. Hmm. Yeah. Why I, sandwiches? Because, uh, honestly, uh, you know, I cook uh, so many different things, you know, whether it be from gay meat to, you know, exotic corn that was milled from a farmer. Um, what I tend to eat myself is a sandwich, you know, hmm. so there's so much that you can get just out of a sandwich. And it's not, you know, just the ingredients in the sandwich, but how the sandwich is layered and how hmm. it's built. Um uh, so me personally, if I were to open a place, yes, I would uh, be different. Uh, but then even in the club atmosphere, they like a sandwich. So providing them with a good, mm. proper sandwich. Mm. You know, uh, one of the highest selling items in a club is a burger. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. 
Okay. Yeah, so you always uh, do your burger well. And uh, that's the big thing is do what, whatever you're going to do, do it well. Mm-hmm. If, you had, if you had one piece of advice as, as we prepare to close that you wanted to give to somebody who's listening to this and they're in their late teens, early 20s, and, and they, 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 they kind of want to be, become a chef or, or follow in your footsteps, what, what advice would you give them? Uh, it's <clears throat> a long road. Uh, my biggest advice would be humble yourself. Uh, it's real easy to start learning and someone tell you that your food is good and then you think that you're good. Mm-hmm. Um, I learn every day and any day that I do not learn is a day failed. Uh, so really just, it's about learning different things every day, but you have to continue to explore and push yourself. There's not anybody going to be pushing you to do your job um, or to really grow that's something that you have to do yourself so gather that passion um and you have to put your mind to it great great well thanks for, for being on the show today I really it was a pleasure it. great thanks for joining us today on another episode of stuttering your way to success with my special guest today julius kaiser thanks again thank you